You're listening to Fireside Chats Without the Fires podcast, where customer experience enthusiasts are inspired by our weekly CX practitioners and thought leaders who share their insights and knowledge. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Toff and Paul Catherall. And we're off. Fireside Chats Without the Fires, episode two of our new series, uh, called the spotlight on the business of CX. And I'm especially excited today, not just because it's the second episode of a great new series, but because I get to spend some time with Dave Koenig and Robbie Bamberger, who I'm gonna reintroduce you in just a second. But we've got some really great topics to discuss. It's partly a continuation on our first episode. Hint, hint, if you didn't get to hear the first episode, please download it, please listen to it, because there's some really good stuff in there. Um, This is going to be partly, like I said, a continuation and an update on some of the things we talked about. And then as well, we're going to get into some new topics. Um, our guests today, Dave Koenig and Robbie Bemmer, welcome. Dave is the Senior Research Analyst at Baird, and Robbie is the Senior Research Associate at Baird. They were, uh, like I said before, the guests on our first episode. This is a return engagement for them. We're going to have them hopefully in this hot seat uh, about once a month or so. We're going to pick their brains. We're going to ask them questions. We're not going to put them over the grill. We're just going to learn from these guys. They have a lot to share with us. Uh, if you are part of the broader CX community like I am, whether you're a practitioner, you're a thought leader, you're an author, you work for a big brand, you work for an outsourcer, you work for a tech stack company, this session, these sessions, sorry, plural, are for you because we're going to learn how the business of CX views our uh, community how what we do ties in to what the investment community does, how we contribute to the top line, how we contribute to the bottom line, how we contribute uh, to publicly traded companies, meaning whose stock is traded on the open market, or those private companies whose stock doesn't necessarily trade on the open market. This is all interlinked. I'm going to stop for a minute. Dave, welcome. Robbie, welcome back. We're really happy to have you. Thanks, Neil. It's good to be back. Good to have you guys. All right, let's jump right into it. Um, Since we last spoke, there have been three important, let's call it events that have taken place in the last month or so. Please share with the CX community what those are, and then I'll ask you some questions about each of those. What are those events? Yeah, I mean, a few of them from our perspective. And one, the Sykes acquisition got closed. They sold to Cytel, and I think many, many of you probably know both Sykes and Cytel. So that got done, uh, closed maybe a month ago or so. Uh, secondly, um, Cascus went public now maybe four months ago, but the stock has just been on a tear higher. It's, it's about right, close to triple uh, the valuation uh, from which it went public. And then third, just uh, this last week or so, TELUS International um, d- did a secondary offering where they sold more shares into the market. So those those three were uh, yeah important in our view. I should have asked you, let, let's take one step back before we jump into those things. Remind us who Baird is and what you do and why these things that you just mentioned are important to Baird. Yes, yes. Thank you for doing that. So Baird, we're a full service investment bank and brokerage firm. Most of the revenue of Baird is just financial advising to individuals. Uh, you can think of um, yeah, personal financial advisors. Our part of the business, though, is advising for big companies and for institutional investors. So we develop relationships with the large call center companies to help understand what they do so that we can help investors learn. And then investors then pay us through our trading desk uh, when they're trading big blocks of stock. Uh, that's, so that's what we do. And what do you and Robbie do specifically? This is, this is the real crux. This is the heart yeah. of the matter here. 
So Robbie and I just learn as much as we can about the call center industry. We, we, we talk with executives of the big publicly traded companies. We, um, we do surveys of smaller private companies. We write a lot of reports on buy and sell recommendations of the various stocks. Um, uh, and, and so we keep models and write a lot of reports. We, yeah, we, we just learn as much as we can and then try to give it to the investment community. Got it. All right, perfect. So we have some context of who, who your company is, who the two of you are. Uh, the type of work that you do that, that that's really helpful as a reminder for the audience. Super. So you just mentioned uh, as a summary, um, three important events, Sykes, which is a very large uh, BPO or business process outsourcer outsource contact center was acquired by Cytel an even larger, more global uh, BPO, correct? Mm -hmm. That's right. So the question that I'd love to ask, so what, what does that matter? Yeah. So, why do companies do acquisitions if they find that they can, they think they can go to the market and either grow faster, generate more profits. Um, when they combine certain parts of their business, they can take out costs, right? You don't need two finance departments. You don't need two HR departments. So you can save money by combining. Um, so there's a lot of reasons companies do it. Um, so I, yeah, I would say that's, that's basically it. Got it. And, uh, Let's go to the third of the events, which is uh, Task Us, as well a, a large global BPO. Um, apparently, they had an, an initial public offering, which I think you would define as they put their stock on the open, publicly traded market for the first time. They went from a privately held company to now a publicly uh, uh, held company, correct? And that's a good definition of what an IPO is. Um, and apparently, they've done, they've done quite well, right? They've done well. And, and maybe even to take a quick step back to describe like the life cycle of a company and we'll do it in a very fast forward type fashion. But, you know, um, uh, Bryce and Jasper formed the company, uh, you know, maybe what was it, maybe 10 years ago or something like that, maybe a little more to basically do outsourcing work. Um, they grew really fast. They did a lot of uh, companies in California that were just naturally growing fast that grew with them. About three years ago, Blackstone, a big private equity firm, bought about half of it for 200 million. Um, Blackstone helps them then. Blackstone has tons of relationships and helped them sell to other companies. They kept getting bigger and growing fast. Then they went public. Now there were $7 billion. So with the help of you know two really hardworking people, proliferation of growth, Blackstone, and now the public markets, they have absolutely crushed it. Wait, so they went from being worth $200 million or half of the company at about $200 million. So maybe total value of somewhere between 400 and 500 million. And now they're worth what? 7 billion? Yeah. So, I mean, another way to think about that, say they were worth 400 million three years ago, they went public at about 2 billion three months ago. And now they're worth about 7 billion. Whoa. Okay. So the question I'll ask is of course, like, so what, but, what is this telling us about the whether it's the attractiveness of the overall BPO market or this specific company? What can we learn from this? So, and, and this is where we can tie in the Sykes acquisition and the Tasca uh, uh, IPO too. Sykes just got sold for about nine and a half times EBITDA. T typically, uh, we've seen companies like that gets sold at about seven times EBITDA. So the market is a little better than normal. And you can see this, the whole stock market, right? It's it's trading higher than it normally does. So site traded at nine and a half times EBITDA. Taskus is worth something like 30, 40 times EBITDA. 
Well, the, the, there's a huge gap. And why is that? It's basically saying growth is so important to the market that people will pay enormous, enormous price tags when there's a lot of growth. And then why the growth? It's because in the last handful of years, this industry has really proliferated new products and offerings and digital. Um, and so if you're, you know, if a company can find new ways to serve companies and then generate a lot of growth, that can really add to value. Okay, so here's another question. Uh, this gets a little bit more, just a slightly bit more advanced uh, if you're an investor. Um, if you have some money to invest in the, in the stock market, you could invest in something a little more traditional, you know, the broader S&P, the broader S&P, Standard & Poor's. You could invest in the uh, Dow Jones. You could invest in you know, a very kind of benchmark uh, set of companies. Did I understand from a previous conversation what you guys have put out there that for example, task us is outperforming the general market. So yeah, task us is massively outperformed from a stock perspective, but it's also outperformed from a growth perspective. So what we tend to, to do each year is we kind of look at how much of a company's outperformance is just purely generated on growing faster than the market and how much is by the multiple kind of moving the, the and, and Taskus has had both. It's had enormous growth and people are just willing to pay more for the, the earnings of it at the same time. Can we make a sweeping generalization that the customer care market, that the BPO market is actually an attractive investment? Yeah, I would say in the last year or two, um, there's been a lot of evidences of multiples rising, you know, not only in the overall market, but in the customer care BPO market a lot. I mean, you know, the recovery, we also cover EXL, Genpact, WNS, you know, the multiples there have risen. Um, yeah, the multiples of these IPOs are much higher than a lot of the legacy companies. Um, and even a lot of the legacy companies' multiples have gone up. So yes, it's been a quite an attractive investment. All right, CX community audience, you heard it. What we do matters. And by the way, a whole heck of a lot we're doing a lot better than, than the general market that's what that's what kind of this takeaway is here great all right um i'm going to put robbie on the spot here um because he's shared i think some data and had a, had a great explanation for this one this is this one's a little trickier there's a third company telus always we talked about the, the three events the third one is an event around a company called telus also a large global bpo they have some news as well uh, robbie would you mind sharing us uh an update what, what that event was yeah, so when a company goes public, they typically have a certain amount that they put aside for a float so that the general public can just trade. Um, it's usually a smaller amount and there's still a lot of exposure of private equity companies or initial investors that had been in the stock for a while, right? Uh, even when they were a public, uh, private company. So what happens is when a company decides, you know, they go public, they still have a lot of their shares locked up sort of in the company. They want to do a secondary. So that's exactly what TELUS International did. They did a secondary, issued more shares, but the company themselves did not issue it. It was the private equity companies that have the ownership within TELUS that are uh, selling shares right now. And that essentially creates more liquidity for the stock. More people are able to buy it. And uh, the private equity companies, which have been in it for a while, can then get a little bit of an exit as well. So they do this, I think, probably under the assumption that how Dave just described that this company is doing well, it's growing, it's performing well. There's belief in the stability of 
their core business, customer care, supporting brands, customer experience. Is that why they do this? They just, they really believe in what they're doing. And so they're saying, you know what? I'm betting on myself a second time. Here you go, market, beat me up. Yeah, I'd say it's a combination of that because the stock itself has gone up a lot um, since IPO, not as well as Tascos, but it's gone up um, a bit. Then it creates an opportunity for them to sell shares because they can use their their equity as capital to then do other things with that. But in this scenario, it's the private equity companies themselves that really like the fact that the stock has gone up. They see it as an opportunity for them to capitalize on that increase in price and then can essentially sell a little bit of shares from there um, and then sell it to the public market who will then diversify diversify the ownership base, which actually helps the stock over time. This is really good stuff. Um, so we, we've, we've highlighted uh, events around Sykes and Cytel, Taskus, and Telus, T-E-L-U-S, all big, the big guys, the big players, which is, which is really interesting. Um, market is hot. Customer experience is hot. Uh, BPO customer care, outsourced customer care is, is really hot. This is wonderful. I want to uh, segue into um, a report that Baird and company recently updated uh, about one month, maybe a month and a week ago, at the end of August, uh, just one month ago, August of 2021. And it is a report around, around general customer care. It does tie into BPO. I would recommend, and we're going to add a link to this when we, we post uh, this recording. Um, there's some amazing learnings in this report. Um, I encourage you, audience, doesn't matter if you're not interested in the investment part of the business. This doesn't really talk too much about the, about investments and, and individual company performance. There's sections of that, yes, but this also refers to the general market in customer care. What's happening? It has data, it has statistics, it has metrics. This is a really rich report. Talk about some of the findings at a high level if you wouldn't mind. And Dave, I'll, I'll turn this one back to you or Robbie, either one you can take a crack at this. What What is the kind of general set of findings or takeaways that a reader could, could surmise from this report? Yeah, I'm just trying to think back a little bit to the to the report, but um, you know, usually we put in market size, growth expectations, one thing along the line of growth expectations. You know, the last, the last kind of eight to 10 years kind of coming out of the 08, 09 recession, we're okay. Pricing was pretty stable. Demand was okay, but you know there was some shift away from personal, like answering of calls and you know to online answering, you know answering questions and stuff like that. So it, it wasn't a great, you know, decade. I would say for the for the customer care industry, but I would say the last couple of years now and what we see kind of happening in the future is an acceleration, a step up in growth, and it really comes around all sorts of new services and new, new requirements. And, you know, whether it be content moderation, you know, looking at what's on websites, uh, having people just review that, whether it's artificial intelligence, people doing data annotation to like figure out what's a stop sign, what's a, you know, dotted line, what's a yellow line on the road, you know, to help self-driving cars. Um, you know, there's a lot of new applications for, you know, having people do work uh, for the care industry. Sure. Uh, let's talk about, let, let's get a little granular in this particular report, and I, I'm going to have a little fun with Robbie. I'm going to put him on the spot again here. Um, there is a slide in this report, and I'm flipping over to it, um, around 
the growth in artificial intelligence in customer care. Robbie, I don't know if you have it up or have it, you know, top of mind with some numbers. Can we focus in on that? What is your report telling us about AI and the importance in customer care? Yeah, so we break down AI operations. Essentially, you know, that's what Dave just talked about, labeling, annotation, transcription services that are done through machine learning that these companies help with. And, you know, the market right now for that, we estimate and through data that we've seen in recent public filings and talking with companies, it seems like that market itself is about two to $3 billion market. It's supposed to grow 20% plus over the next several years to about a $4 billion market. So it's just growing very fast. And overall, um, AI services in, in general um, is about 18 billion and that should grow to about 38 billion over time. But why this is important is because we also break down the specific companies and exposures to each of these types of high growing categories. So for example, um, in AI, Tascas has, has a percentage within there. Um, so because of that, it helps the growth of these traditional call centers to get to more higher growth areas, which then helps the multiple and that helps investors and that helps, you know, the companies themselves grow. And we break down sort of the percentages between each of the companies that we cover and the higher growth uh, categories that, that they serve. And that helps growth over time. But yeah. What I'd like to juxtapose from this particular report is that the outsourced customer care market, and this is coming from, from your guys' data, um, the size of the market in 2020 is somewhere between 75 to $80 billion and is projected by 2024, so in a four-year period, it'll grow to somewhere between 90 and $95 billion, which I'm going to take your guys' word for, is about somewhere between 5 and 7% compound annual growth. Okay? So it's growing somewhere between 5 to 7% juxtapose that against what you just described, which is the growth for the AI services market. So a, a, a smaller percentage, sorry, a smaller, more targeted niche, AI services is expected to grow 20%. 20% growth in AI versus 5 to 7% growth in contact center services. That's a pretty strong statement about what our present and future over just the next four years holds for us, doesn't it? But think about it this way once. Just think about customer care in general is usually is usually me or you or Robbie calling in and asking about a bill or a new service or whatever. That kind of grows with population growth and with services and, and at a more GDP type level. Artificial intelligence is serving new types of industries that are growing at hyper rates. Um, you know, so that's why the growth is fast. And maybe to put it in one other perspective for just a minute, you know, some people often think, well, isn't artificial intelligence what gets rid of people doing work? And actually, like, uh, so it's just going to displace people over time. Think of it this way once. Probably 50 years ago, people thought the computer was going to get rid of finance departments. I bet almost every finance department of any company that's grown in the world, generally speaking, has more people today than it did 50 years ago. And that's the same thing with artificial intelligence probably just keeps proliferating. So many people have to enter data to make these machines all uh, understand what's going on.
I'll, I'll just stop there for a minute. Yeah, uh, th th this is powerful stuff. Uh, so, of course, kind of the underlying thing that we're talking about here is this, some, we'll call it a revolution, digital transformation. Most companies are talking about digital transformation. It means so many things to so many different people. There's a profound statistic that you guys cite here, which I really want to call out. Impact of digital transformation. And, and I'm just reading verbatim. While around 75% of respondents noted technology budgets will increase. So, of course, right, it makes sense. More technology, more automation, um, more efficiency. But, but companies are going to spend more in technology. And according to this, 75% of respondents will say that, say that budgets will increase. Nearly 50% noted that headcount will decrease. That's a pretty profound statement as well, isn't it? That is an interesting, yeah, that is an interesting statement. And I would say that if headcount decreases, it, it often means the care industry, the outsourcing often can grow to help these other companies reduce their staff. I mean, we've seen that in the BPO market for years, WNS and EXL and GenPAC, they've grown revenue very consistently. They've grown revenue per employee very consistently, and yet they help companies reduce their own internal staff. As we start to wind down, I want to—I didn't prepare this question ahead of time, so I'm going to put both of you guys on the spot. This is where I get to see you guys sweat just a little bit. No, no, it's not, it's not a gotcha question, I promise. Um, what is a key takeaway, and, and listen to this question, here's a, here's a kind of a three-parter. What is the key takeaway if you are a BPO? What is a key takeaway if you are a brand? What is a key takeaway if you're just a consumer? Regular, plain old, uh, customer. If I can ask you, Robbie, you can take a first crack at it. What is a key takeaway if you are a BPO over all this data, all these reports that you guys put together so 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 deliciously? What is a key takeaway for the BPO? Yeah, so I'd say for the BPO, it's making sure if they're trying to grow their company, uh, they're growing fast. Essentially, the way that we as investors look at BPO companies, whether it's private or public companies, it's, you know, is the company, are they growing fast and also are margins going up? So the, the ways that companies can do that are finding higher growth clients. So looking at companies like fintechs or delivery, uh, delivery companies that the clients themselves, if they're growing fast, that will help if these BPO companies get more into digital and AI type work, which sometimes isn't just on a per person basis and sometimes will go towards more um, outcome based. So in that situation, then, uh, you know, those companies can get paid more and it's more based on the value added than necessarily the amount of time that a, a call center rep is on the phone. So those types of things can help revenue. And those are also higher margin for these BPO companies, which over time, will help if we're looking at, at it as an investor will help the multiple uh, as we've seen time and time again with task us and and tell us and companies like that all right dave i was going to jump to you but but hold on robbie just some really cool stuff here and by the way i live this as a uh in my non-podcast life uh, i own and operate a bpo and you're absolutely right the model changes so in the live agent or human uh butts in seats as we say um, we have an hourly cost. We have to pay those people, whether they get calls, they don't get calls, they, they answer chats, they don't answer chats. 
we have a cost. We typically charge on an hourly basis where our revenue stream is based on. And you are absolutely spot on that when you move into the AI, the chatbot, the voice bot, you don't have to charge per hour anymore. You typically charge per outcome, per uh, phone call handled by the voice bot, uh, per chat resolved by, uh, by the chatbot, et cetera. It's a vastly different model, vastly different cost structure, and the revenue and profitability opportunities are sig there's significant upside to those if you, if you set them up correctly. Right. And that's just something that we've heard sort of from the companies that we've spoken with. And they say that even if people are working on the chat themselves, they can get a higher turn rate and they're not constantly inundated by angry customers that on the phone as well. So they, it's better to be behind the computer than it is to get those phone calls. So it makes the employees happier. I think it helps margins and overall it just helps the value add to, to their clients. You heard that audience. These are pretty profound statements here. This is good stuff. All right. And by the way, Robbie, what you've been in my business? It's amazing. You guys know and understand this business. You haven't stepped foot in my my contact center, but you literally just described much of the stuff that we're going through. Well, you answered the call center questions that we send you every every week, every month. So yeah, that's <laughs> true. That is true. All right, perfect. Dave, I interrupted you. Um, let's go back. I was going to pitch you a question. Um, a key takeaway: if you are a brand that is obviously that has consumers you may be as the brand uh, hiring a, a bpo uh, to perform these types of services what is a key takeaway for a brand here yeah and and, and first of all maybe just taking one step back for a minute the, the proof in the pudding of voice based work relative to some of these new services sykes ebitda margins ebitda margins i think we're about 13 percent or so give or take task us is about 24% and they do very little voice work. It's mostly digital. So you can just see the difference in margins. Um, if, if you're a brand, yeah, I, I would say, you know, your consumers want more and more digital services, easy access to apps, et cetera. I mean, it really is time to transform the way, you know, the way you're doing business, figure out, use a call center, a customer care BPO firm um, to help you across kind of an omni-channel strategy rather than just, do the old legacy uh, voice only work because um, that's the way consumers are going. You might lose your consumers if you don't have a, a broader way to serve uh, serve them. Yeah, and, and that certainly shows in the other data that, that that's in this report, which we haven't even touched on yet. But again, audience, this this report is definitely worth taking a look at. There's there's a, it touches every single element of um, uh, the different touch points, communication channels, omni channel geographies, uh, technology stack, et cetera. There's, there's a lot in here. And can um, I just tell a story a minute too? A quick story about how important the customer care industry is. <laughs> so I was at my cabin last weekend up in uh, Northern Michigan off the grid, right? We're driving the Kawasaki mule. It's like a big golf cart with big tread tires, four by four. Um, we saw a moose, we caught some brook trout. We had a great time. All of a sudden I looked in the trunk of this thing and there's about six mice, little baby mice. And when you have the customer care industry, you can quickly call somebody, you can quickly type online, Terminix, come here, like, let's figure this all out. When you don't have access to that, you have to take matters into your own hands. Literally, six little mice had to, had to do that myself. So that's how important the call center industry is. When you don't have access to it, a lot can go wrong quickly. Boy, I mean, you can't just throw that out there like that. You got to explain that a little bit more. So what did you do? You called in, you chatted in, like, who did you? Who, who did you call and chat into? The rental car company or the the the, the manufacturer of the vehicle? Like, what, what did you do? You can't just leave us hanging with that. Well, I, I literally 
I have no access to the customer care BPO industry. So I literally had to take these mice out myself from the, uh, the, the mule, from the Kawasaki, the, the machine. It was gross. That's what's called self service. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. All right. Final question for both of you guys. Uh, either of you can take a crack at it. If both of you want to want to have it, that's fine too. Uh, what do these statistics around AI, around growth and customer care, uh, the uh, tremendous performance of the BPOs that you highlighted. What does all of this mean? What is the key takeaway if you're an individual consumer? I mean, if, if you're a consumer, I mean, hopefully you've invested in some of these, I guess. But um, I think it shows, you know, sometimes it's, it's the consumers that demand, right? Oh, you need to do these new services. Sometimes it's the companies realizing hey, if we can change the way we do this, we're going to win in the market. And I think in a lot of cases, the forward thinking companies are pushing, you know, pushing the, uh, the, the, the customer care BPO industry to like come up with interesting new ways to serve the, serve the consumers. But yeah, you know, as a consumer, I think um, we're, we're just pushing more and more for better, easier, faster. Um, that's what, you know, what it is. Perfect. Robbie. Yeah, there's a couple slides in the deck also, slide 21 and slide 22. Uh, that go through the consumer themselves, which is pretty interesting. And it shows that if people want an urgent message uh, or if they need something urgently, 70% of them still want to use phone calls. So that's a pretty interesting stat. But if it's not an urgent issue, um, more people prefer the automated chat. Um, and it, it, it flips that way. The other interesting thing is by demographic, uh, you can see people under age of 25, 70% of those like automated no matter what and over 75 like uh like telephone calls so 80 86 percent so if you're thinking about this this mix shift over time as people age that under 25 they aren't going to go to the telephone they're going to want to continue to use that automated services so the mix shift will just you know continue to help the companies that continue to do automated type work yeah, um, but there's still there's still a need for the telephone type services, um, which you can see by the 70 percent who want an urgent call. But the mix shift over time will shift towards more automated services. You know, my big takeaway from from I'm looking at your slide 23. So this is growing digital channels and it shows that companies that participate in this in this survey, what they're doing right now and what channels they offer right now but more importantly, what they're going to offer and the growth of those in one year from now. So you kind of see what it, what you might expect. Most companies offer email. Most companies offer phone. Most companies have a website, all the traditional stuff that you would expect. But then go to the more kind of newer economy digital channels like video chat, web chat, Internet of Things, uh, AI virtual assistant, web-based bots, those show tremendous expected growth within one year. I think that's the crystal ball. Uh, that's what it's showing. Lots of push towards digital growth in digital. Uh, not a ton of growth necessarily in phone and email or website. Everyone already has those things. There's going to be significant growth in the digital channels. Guys, this was a great session. I appreciate it. Uh, a final word of uh, for our audience how do if, if the audience is not already following you if they are not already participating in your surveys if they're not already uh reading your reports how can they do so 
Yeah, they can reach out uh, to Robbie or I. I mean, I'm at D Koning, D K O N I N G, at rwbear.com. Robbie is R Bamberger, R B A M B E R G E R, at rwbear.com. We, yeah, we'd love to have you participate, get on our distribution. Um, yeah, be great. The Survey Monkey is also in the link with the podcast. So feel free to put your email right in there and we'll reach out. Good. Excellent. A huge thank you, uh, Dave and Robbie, for your participation, for sharing the knowledge with us. Um, I'm obviously rooting for the CX community. Some of these BPOs uh, are, are competitors of ours, or, or, or we, we share and swim in some of the same spaces, but I'm also rooting for them because what is good for a few typically means it, that it's also good for our industry as a whole. It's great to see the growth. It's great to see um, where the investors are willing to place their own chips. Uh, so this is a, a reinforcement, a reassurance in the belief that what we're doing is being done well by the most part uh, in our industry. I'm, I'm pleased to see it. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. We're going to have you guys back in about a month or so. We'll share dates uh, when that will actually take place. Uh, once again, tremendous participation, great sharing of knowledge here. We're cheering you guys on for doing great work and continuing to do and uh, be spokespeople for, for our industry. Thank you so much. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Neil. Take care, audience. Once again, episode two of our Spotlight on the Business of Customer Experience. If you liked us, if you have thoughts to share, reach out to us. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We want to get your feedback, and please absolutely share. Please absolutely click on the link on SurveyMonkey that you'll see as part of the post of this session so that you can uh, be part of what Baird company does. Um, what they're producing is, is really wonderful. Once again, thank you to the guys from Baird. Thank you, audience, for tuning in. Uh, we look forward to having you continue to listen to us. Thank you so much. The episode is over, but the conversation continues. Please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. Post a comment and subscribe to stay on the leading edge of customer experience. To get in touch or be a guest, follow us on Twitter at ChatsFires or on LinkedIn or in your podcast repository of choice. Thank you.